What is a complete human? Is it a cover model? Is it a science geek? Is it a fitness expert? Or all of the above and more? Jana and Evan are crusaders that walk the earth looking at today's issues that touch our hearts and minds. The honest and hopeful outlook on the advancement of today's society. The science behind the decay of human relationships. The necessary preparations for future generations. Join us as we look deep inside ourselves and embark on a journey into becoming a complete human. What is human potential? Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That's cease the day. Most people have a full measure of life. And most people just watch it slowly drip away. And why do most people watch it slowly drip away? A lot of people have a subconscious fear of growing to their full potential. And they self-sabotage themselves in so many ways. In 1943, Abraham Maslow created what has come to be known as the hierarchy of basic human needs. This image has long been associated with man's quest to achieve their ultimate potential. And for as long as humans have walked the earth, people have dreamed about that potential. From fire and the wheel to putting a man on the moon, our desire to push the boundaries of what we once thought was impossible has been the driving force and often the crowning achievements in the relatively short history of humankind on this planet. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. But what really is the engine behind that force? And why are so many people prone to falling short of their ultimate potential? In this episode of Complete Human, we explore the untapped vastness of human potential with Dr. Kaufman. We investigate the origins of self-sabotage and uncover the truth behind Maslow, the pyramid, and man's quest to uncover the unlimited possibility of our own existence. Hey, hey guys, Jana Breslin here again. Most of you have heard me speak on the benefits of beets. Beets are well known as a powerful superfood and help the body create nitric oxide, the miracle molecule that supports a healthy cardiovascular system and sexual function. As an athlete, the nitric oxide boosting benefits help me power through workouts better than any artificial pre-workout I've ever taken. Now, this is why we created Complete Human Res Beet. You get all of the benefits of organic beets with additional anti-aging support from fermented resveratrol. Resveratrol is a longevity gene activator and is something I have turned to for years to help support anti-aging and optimal health. If you're not a fan of the taste of beets, we've got you covered with our all-natural and delicious dark cherry flavor. I take Resbeet twice a day and I have to say I feel incredible. Head on over to store.completehuman.com and enter the code podcast at checkout to get 20% off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your host, Jana Breslin, and Evan DeMarco. Um, I, I'm, I'm really stoked about our next guest, but before we get to him, do me a favor. Let's go back in time a little bit to like circa 1991. Um, and if I was one years old. Yes, you were you were one years old. And if memory serves, like REM's Losing My Religion was number one on the radio. Okay. Cheers was still on TV. Um, and I was on I was in sixth grade. And in one of my gifted and talented classes, the teacher brings in one of those slides. Now, this is the projector. And I don't you're way too young for this, <laughs> but the projector and you put like these clear plastic. No, things I, on the I had those. OK. Yeah. And he puts on this triangle and he starts to explain 
Maslow's hierarchy of basic human needs. Mm -hmm. Now, at the time, I'm type A, gung-ho, I see a mountain, I'm going to go climb it. So, you know, food, clothing, shelter at the bottom, and then self-actualization at the top. And so for the rest of the class, I'm daydreaming about all of the cool things that are going to come out of self-actualization, fame, fortune, a professional baseball career, you know, and when I leave that, probably lead humanity on an expedition to the stars. No idea what self-actualization is. Hop on my, uh, you know, my mongoose bicycle, which my parents bought for like $5 <laughs> at, a, at a garage sale. Pedal home as fast as I can. Run in the front door. My mom says, you know, hey, how's it going? I'm like, not now, mom. I got to go find me some self-actualization. Oh. So I remember going into my room, pulling out my journal, you know, writing down in, in giant, bold, number two pencil, get self-actualization. Yeah, and I think I sat back with a sigh of relief, chewed on the nub of my pencil, and dreamed again about all of the things that self-actualization was going to bring me, closed the journal with this finality that only a six-year-old or a sixth grader could muster and walk back out and began the rest of my life, thinking that because I wrote that down, somehow it was going to manifest. Mm. And if I would have had our next guest then explaining what self-actualization was, then I might have, you know, I might have actually accomplished that goal. But for the next 30 years, 30 plus years of my life, I've had this goal written down, and the one issue is I don't know what the fuck self-actualization <laughs> actually is. So yeah. I am stoked that our next guest is probably one of the foremost experts on this co uh, topic as well as a few others. So um, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kaufman. Thank you so much for having me here. You know, if it makes you feel any better, better neither did Maslow. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I found in an uh, unpublished essay of notes he was writing in a footnote, he wrote, I hate that damn term self-actualization. <laughs> so it is a little confusing. It, it is, you know, and I think that there's, you know, th there's been all of these interpretations of it over the years. But let's start with that. Um, well, actually, before we get to that, why don't you tell our viewers who you are? Sure, I'd be happy to. But then I want to give you a grand reveal of the the word he preferred uh, better than self-actualization when Ooh. you look at his writings. But wow. um, I am. Uh, a humanistic psychologist, cognitive scientist. I'm interested in the mind brain, you know, and human behavior and creativity and why people do all the absurd things that they do. Um, I feel like often feel like I'm just an observer from another planet, you know, on this planet, just trying to make sense, you know, of like, you know, you go on Twitter. I'm like, what in the world is happening <laughs> among humans? Um, I'm fascinated. I'm endlessly fascinated. I never, I seem to never get bored with wanting to understand humans um, and the basic human needs and um, also the higher needs of humans, you know, what, what we could be as a species. I'm very, very interested in what we could be as well as what is as well. You know, I'm interested in both, you know. Cool. Well, um, so, so let's, let's jump into what did Maslow prefer and then what actually is that? What actually is actualization? <laughs> So he um, he had written explicitly, he said, I would like to, from henceforth, here on, replace self-actualization with the phrase fully human. Ooh, is I that like almost that. like complete human? <laughs> that's why I think you guys would dig this. Yes, yes. That could have been better. That, that's, that was his preferred replacement. Um, the, the idea of being fully human is really what the humanistic psychologists were uh, very interested in. Um, what does it mean to be uh, to live a vital life uh, that experientially um, makes you feel uh, filled up with a sense of meaning and purpose and filled up with a sense of uh, connection with others and um, uh, spirituality, uh, creativity. Um, these were the kind of major themes of the humanistic psychologist. And in the spirit of that, that's why I asked, uh, there's no need for self-actualization in my revised hierarchy of needs. Um, I broke it down into three concrete needs 
that, uh, that there are things that you could wrap your head around. So, um, you know, and so in that spirit, that's why, you know, there is no specific need for self-actualization. That doesn't, it's hard for anyone to really wrap their head around what that specifically means without uh, unpacking that more. I mean, when he, in his earlier writings about self-actualization, he defined it as, you know, whatever that unique potential is within you that, uh, that no one else can do, you know, because we share a lot of needs with each other, like the needs for connection, the needs for self-esteem, the need for safety. Um, it doesn't make you terribly special, you know, if you want respect, you know, like, you know, who doesn't, who's not screaming for respect right now, you know what I mean, in our country, um, in America. But, um, uh, but it, it is quite unique when you're like, I, you know, can play a violin concerto like no one else can, or I can, I have the unique skill set to, and bullying, you know, like, then it's like, oh, well, that's so that's that that's self actualization that's getting in the direction of self actualization. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So before we kind of get to your revised idea of this, you know, it kind of sounds like the challenges with Maslow and, and, you know, he even admittedly in some of the works that I said, you know, said that this was just kind of something I wrote down. It's not like, the, you know, he didn't really believe it was the end all be all. But, you know, through mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram and a thousand memes that talk about this mm -hmm. because some, you know, you know, some college kid took freshman psych and recognizes this is like the path to enlightenment. You know, Maslow's work has been blown way out of proportion. But in a lot of ways, it seems like it's almost like, I don't know, playing a game of Donkey Kong, right? Like you're just trying to get through the levels to get all the way to the top. But life yeah. is not like that. And so the fluidity of life and the challenges of life present a never ending struggle. And, you know, it's not like you reach the top of the summit and like, oh, I'm self-actualized. You won the game. I won the game. And, yeah. and now it's fame and fortune. Mm -hmm. And I get my own private island and, you know, a harem of stewardesses. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'll take the last two, but um, <laughs> I feel like if I could have that without the fame and because the fame and fortune part, that's where they get you, you know, that's not um, uh, people. That's such a, a, a mirage. My gosh, you know, people who dream their whole lives of getting fame and fortune when they get the fame and fortune, they want to return it. <laughs> yeah. In almost every case, they're like, can I take it back <laughs> that I wanted it, you know, um, and I find that a fascinating phenomenon in itself. But Interestingly I, 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 enough, like the, I, I, like, I like the idea of having my own island. That sounds cool. <laughs> oh, very cool. And, and interesting parties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, can, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to be able to, uh, you know, to get on the guest list for those. <laughs> yes, we'll put you on our guest list if we can get on yours. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. One of the fascinating concepts that I did realize about self-actualization self is, is that need to feel, you know, intrinsically special. And within that, Mm -hmm. Is that driven by ego, right? Because, you know, we, we can say that, you know, I could be the best, uh, you know, pianist in the world. But if people don't recognize that, am I the best pianist in the world? And so with that, is there this kind of driving force that's more ego-based in us becoming, in Maslow's words, self-actualized? You know, the way I frame it is that each of us have the potential to become the best us in the entire world like there's no one else that has as much potential to fully realize um you know jana breslin you know like then jana breslin right like no one in the world now that it sounds almost trite to say but you know you really need to think of it in that way because a lot of people are trying to self-actualize uh, they're, they're not trying to self-actualize they're trying to copy someone else they're trying to be someone else and I often ask them, you know, when I have clients, you know, I do coaching, I say, well, you know, 
what is it? Why are you trying so hard to self-actualize someone else's self? <laughs> like, why yeah. are you so why are you so committed to to actualizing someone else's self? Um, what's wrong with yourself? You know, and a lot of people are afraid of themselves, and this is a big, big um, point I, I try to make in the book. It's called the Jonah complex. Um, I think a lot of people are um, actually Maslow called Maslow called this the Jonah complex, fear of growth. A lot of people have a subconscious fear of growing to their full potential, and they self-sabotage themselves in so many ways. Why is that? I was about to ask, yeah, why? Well, you know, there's a number of reasons. Um, One can be um, that the the tall poppy kind of gets pushed down, so it can kind of be a scary place um, uh, going to your full heights. A lot of kids who are gifted education as kids or gifted and talented education get bullied. You know, they really get bullied. Um, they didn't ask to have a talent. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they it's not like they, um, you, you know, in a lot of ways they, um, you know, it kind of, uh, it showed itself and they're like, oh, wow, I have a knack for, you know, playing the, the cello or something. And um, they get excited about it, but, the, but you know, whatever light shines bright for some reason, humans, uh, because they're jealous, you know, because they, you know, all sorts of reasons want to kind of tear it down. So it can actually be a scary place being, you know, in that position of uh, realizing uh, your full potential and having it be a spotlight. So that's one reason. Uh, I think there's there's a number of reasons. It, it, it doesn't have to be that reason, that, but that could be one reason. But I think also there are serious self-esteem issues that a lot of people don't address and they don't, they're not even aware of. Um, um, and that's why I distinguish, distinguish uh, go to great pains in my book to distinguish between healthy self-esteem and uh, what I call vulnerable narcissism. Um, vulnerable narcissism is a form of narcissism where we um, feel so fragile at, um, at, 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 at the slightest criticism. Um, and uh, that really can hold us back big time from self-actualization and, and, and uh, from fully growing to, to, our, to our full heights, you know, because we're, we're the slightest sensitivity to a slight, for instance, you know, or um, as opposed to um, putting yourself out there, letting it all hang out. I love letting it all hang out in an appropriate fashion, in an appropriate fashion. But, um, you know, so and now uh, we know the dress code on your island. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, like, I feel like I need to clarify that, you know, like, in, you know, in the current, you know, context where the slightest thing you say can get you in trouble. I'll try to bracket everything I say. Um, but, um, you know, I like to wear my heart on my sleeve, you know, and, um, and, but it took me a lot of years to get to that point. Like, I think I used to be a huge vulnerable narcissist in my 20s. I had such a, because I was in special ed as a kid, and I felt like I went for so, through so many years um, just trying so hard to prove to people that I was smart, that, um, that, I was, that, that that was holding me back from actually realizing my full potential because I was so focused on proving people wrong, you know, as opposed to growing. Fascinating. Wow. That's strong. Makes that sense? Is. Yeah, that's yeah. very powerful. Um, I, I do want to I want to tackle the the societal thing, especially, you know, this packaging of how we have to say everything in a second. But before we do that, let's chat a little bit about your reimagined hierarchy. You know, you've taken it from the Donkey Kong game of the 1980s, where it's a it's a quest and turned it more into a lifestyle um, or an approach to life. Um, I'd love for you to kind of explain how you came up with that and, <clears throat> and what that looks like in comparison to Maslow's traditional hierarchy. Well, first of all, Maslow never drew a pyramid. Really? Um, yeah. Really? Wow. Okay. He never. That's a big. That's a big reveal. 
in none of his writings did he ever draw a pyramid and that were um, a bunch of uh, management a management consultant and, uh, and, and a bunch of people um, in the management world doing textbooks um, where they had first in the first iteration of it wasn't even a pyramid but they tried to draw uh, the, the hierarchy of needs but as a step ladder and they had like the guy the man at the top self-realized with a flagpole you know like hold, holding a flag at the top um, and then uh, it morphed into a pyramid but that the spirit of Maslow's theory was that we have deficiency motivation and we have growth motivation. Um, he sometimes called it the D realm of human existence and the B realm, the being realm of human existence. And when we're in one realm or the other, um, we fundamentally, our perception of the world and everything changes. When we're in the D realm of human existence, we're motivated by deficiency. We're motivated by what we're lacking. So we're trying to control the world to conform to our deficiency. So if we're hungry, um, everything looks like a potential, uh, you know, it looks like a hamburger or broccoli if you're vegan. Um, um, if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you're lonely, you know, everyone, you, you see everything through the lens alone. Like if you're severely deprived of human connection, you come across to people as needy and, and it's, it's a very unfortunate cycle because then it scares the fuck out of people and then they, they go away, you know, they, they don't want to be friends with you. And it, it, it's, 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 it's a shame. I mean, it's a shame, but it, it is what it is. Um, you just described um, what, me talking to girls when I was 14. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You like, don't. love me, please. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's not like, you know, like the, the, what they want is the, they like the bad boy because the bad boy doesn't seem to care, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and then, um, and then the need, a need for self-esteem when you're severely lacking self-esteem, um, you, you know, you demand respect, right? You demand that the world conform to you, your lack of respect. So, but when you can enter the B realm, the being realm of human existence, you're not motivated by those deficiencies anymore. You're motivated by um, the spirit of exploration and integration and growth and getting out and, and, and getting outside your comfort zone, in fact. So you're, you're not as afraid of looking like an idiot. You're not as afraid of, you know, like, not only that, but um, you have be love, love for the being of others. So, which comes from a, I think it's a higher, more uh, spiritual form of love where it's not motivated by deficiency. You can just talk to someone uh, and just admire them. Like, I feel like I'm talking to you two right now. I, I don't want anything out of you two at all. I, but I feel like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I admire both of you. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to, I'm fascinated with you. The dynamic between you two is fascinating. <laughs> like it's just, I'm in, I'm so fascinated with it. And um, uh, and 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 really, like you know, I, I'm I'm trying to lead with a with a spirit of be love as opposed to um deficiency. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely. And yeah. you're still getting an invitation to our island. <laughs> Yay! We also don't like pants. Though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a pants free zone. Well, this sounds like my kind of party. <laughs> And, and all of the waiters and waitresses that are serving cocktails will be dressed up as Mr. Potato Head because we have no fucking problem with that. That's a little controversial to, yeah. to gender the Potato Head. Yeah. And within your within your hotel suite, it's going to be nothing but Dr. Seuss books. A little con oh, right. So it's going to be it's, you're going to have that controversial there, my friend. You know what? This this is the problem with society, right? Like if you're coming from this place of the, you know, the, the B realm. Yeah. Do these things matter? You know, are, are the, you know, does Pepe mm. Le Pew really mean, you know, a, 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 an, an epidemic of rape and sexual assault? Or was he just a fucking cartoon? I actually don't. Who's Pepe Le 
Pew. Is that another controversy that I missed out on? So I'm sorry, Pepe Le Pew was one of the original Warner Brothers uh, cartoon characters, and he was in Space Jam, the movie, and he was omitted oh. from the reboot, the reboot of Space Jam, the movie, because a whole group of people out there said that Pepe Le Pew, which was a huh. he was a Mexican skunk, and he all he did was chase women. He chased, you know, the, the female oh. skunk. And, the, you know, they said that it perpetuated a culture of rape. And I'm like, he's just a fucking cartoon. And I'm like, come on, guys. And, and so, yeah, our, our island is going to be politically <laughs> incorrect. Nobody wears pants. And we all, you know, we all have fun and we don't care about these things. This all sounds great, except we should probably qualify that there won't be rape on our island. Like, <laughs> no, of course not. Can we at least right. have some standards of morality? Yes, yes. <laughs> The standards of morality don't change. And yes. I think that that's what we, you know, yeah. I, I think that's the challenge that we see with society, right? Is, you know, yeah. morality doesn't care what Mr. Potato Head is. Morality doesn't care what a cartoon says. Now, you know, we can say that's right or that's wrong. Hmm. But what we can't, I, I don't think that we have the position to go back and reinterpret the past based off of our own lens, which in for everything that you're saying seems to come more from that D realm than the B realm. Very interesting. You just went on a very interesting kind of side pathway here in this conversation. Um, it, it's a, it's a, this is obviously a, a big, the, the height of people's consciousness in the cultural wars right now. And I, 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 I'm like, wow, he just went there. Okay. Um, we we I think, go there uh, a lot. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fine. I mean, me, I do too. I, I think it's, it's a very complicated issue though. So I yeah. feel like if we're going to, if, if like, like, let me know what, which thread you want to really dive fully in. And then w w I need to get and prepare my, my, my head for that. You know, we can unravel all of the threads. I, you know, d do we need to address this as a epidemic within a pandemic? I think so. And, and I think that, um, you know, you, you in the beginning of this uh, of this podcast said, you know, you kind of observe things almost from an alien's perspective. And, and I wonder, you know, from an observational perspective, if we were to if we were to kind of look at the unraveling that I, I kind of see within you know, the culture, does it begin with social media? Does it begin with this lack of advanced citizen, citizenship where people have the ability to say things without ramifications for the words coming out of their mouth? I think it's a big problem because I think that social media um, makes it too easy to um, uh, to get away with words. Um, it'd be so you can be so anonymous. I mean, and there's a lot of anonymous accounts right on Twitter. Um, that's a big appeal is that you can do that. Um, I've been using Clubhouse a lot lately. In fact, we should all do a Clubhouse event someday in the psychology oh, club. Yeah, I started the psychology club, um, but um, I. And yeah, I mean, there's real problems here. I mean, there's at the level of like eight, 10 different things we could we could tease out. Um, there's the problem of the anonymity. Uh, uh, people are not at their best when they can just like sit on their bed, you know, lazy, like being able to just get away with saying anything. Like, like, like it's not bringing out the best in us. It's not bringing out like what discourse could be. I, I brought up Clubhouse because I noticed there's less of that hostility, um, less of that craziness on clubhouse i mean it still exists for sure but um but on clubhouse you know you actually are talking to people um and and in that format people tend to be a little more polite with each other you know yeah um but well, it, i think like twitter and some of those social media they make it too easy to be an asshole they oh, do sure. and and they give you the time you know the, the, there's something that happens when you're in an active conversation with someone where you don't have the time to sit there and think about this you know, this ultimate response, which is really just a game of one-upsmanship, 
it's it's active dialogue and within that then we can uncover someone's motivations we can over, uncover the truth um you know we talk we we talk about it in our business of radical transparency and that mm -hmm. happens in a in an active live setting where it doesn't necessarily happen in social media where you have that time to sit there and think exactly what you want to say for the ultimate opportunity to score you know to score points instead of engaging in true dialogue yeah, that's an interesting phrase, true dialogue. You know, maybe we can unpack what that means, you know. Um, well, first of all, let me turn the tables on you. Like, how do, how would you define true dialogue? And I'll try to, then I'll think of, think through what I, how I would define it. Oh, sorry, your, uh, your, your audio just. Uh... Oh, no, I can't hear you all of a sudden. This is so dramatic. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. yeah. Can okay, you hear you're back. Now? Yes, yes. That yes. was weird. Yeah, that's never happened before. No. Yeah, sorry. You were you were in the middle of a good a good um I don't remember. You were in a juicy tidbit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was gonna be the most brilliant thing I've ever said. Now <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, what what is what is a true uh what was, what oh, was true the dialogue? Thing? Right. What is a true dialogue? I, it's, I think yeah. it's an interesting question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges that I think takes place in modern communications is that we don't actively listen. We just wait for our opportunity to respond. And in that, I, I always remember something that my, you know, my grandmother told me was God gave you two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you speak. Doesn't mean I'm really good at that, but it still <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. And, and, and I think a true dialogue is, is based off of giving the person the opportunity to speak, to understanding where that person's coming from, so the basis of empathy within communication. And then, you know, looking at, you know, looking at a conversation that's based off of ideas and not, you know, just talking about things to talk about things. And we, we're really good about just, you know, we'll talk about people, we'll talk about like, you know, politics, but we're not good in the true dialogue sense about coming up with ideas that solve modern day problems. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, a true dialogue is an opportunity for two people to converse in a world where they're empathetic to the other person's point of view. They actively listen, they actively participate in a, in a conversation, and they mm -hmm. actively seek to move that conversation forward with an idea of, of coming up with something that's new and novel and creative versus just bashing really what's good. old i really like that a lot um it's very in line with carl rogers um the humanistic psychologist his, his discussions of active listening he has, he actually has a, a whole uh technique he called active listening he wrote a book about it with that title um explaining that yeah that seems to be very much in line with that um i like the idea of a co-creation that that was a nice twist though that was like that was a cool like kind of like um cherry on top at the end there you know of what you were saying because I don't think people often enter discussions like thinking of it as a co-creation. People are they're like, "This is my view," <laughs> and then they they're listen. They may listen. They're like, "I'm a good listener. I'm listening." But here's my view again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sorry. What what did you just say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, great, great topics here. So let let let's kind of come back to you know all of the work that you've done. And, you know, in this reimagined, you know, place, you know, I'd love for you to kind of get into the boat concept and let's talk a lot about, or let's, you know, explain the boat to us. 
Sure. Um, so you have um, the boat itself of the sailboat, which is um, the needs for security, uh, sorry, the need for safety, the need for connection, and the need for self-esteem. I think those three things operate as a, as a whole unit. Um, when you're low and deficient in one, it tends to impact the other two and creating like a cycle of insecurity um, when you're deficient in them. Um, and um, once the boat is secure, you have a certain, uh, you feel stable in those three to a certain degree. I really feel like you can open the sail and be vulnerable to the winds and move somewhere. See, if you, if you're just, you know, having the boat secure, you're still not going to move anywhere. You know, eventually you're going to have to open that sail and, and go eat and, and move in your most purposeful direction um, with a spirit of exploration and what be love, what I was calling earlier, what I was referring to as be love that Maslow called be love, uh, love for the being of others. Um, and, um, or else you, you know, you won't go anywhere. You need to, to risk that. You have to know that um, the waves could come crashing down anytime. You know, there could be a global pandemic, but you still have to move. You still have to keep going. You still have to live your life. And also the, the other point of the sailboat metaphor and, and a lot of aspects to the metaphor, but, you know, even though we're all traveling our own direction in our own sailboat, you know, we're all in the sea together, you know, and, um, and that wave can come crash down on all of us at once, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I'm a big advocate of, of, of common humanity, of, com- of rallying around common, uh, common human needs, even though they may superficially look uh, very, very uh, different. Our behaviors, I think underneath the behaviors, it really comes down to a, a handful of actual uh, basic human needs that we all care about. I love right. the spirit of exploration. That sounds, you know, that, that sounds like tell. something. Yeah, you guys are. I can tell you guys are into exploration. Yeah. And I feel like that's something we've lost as a. I don't want to say as a society. I almost want to say mm-hmm. as a species. You know, I I think yeah. back to the '60s and and you know JFK mm-hmm. saying we're going to put a man on the moon and and us rallying behind these big wow holy shit ideas. And, and moving the human race forward and in that spirit of exploration, in, in that spirit of community. And I don't feel like we I don't feel like we have that anymore. I feel like we've just kind of now it's like who can post the coolest meme. Yeah, um, I mean, some people do have it. I mean, I, I think it'd be hard to make case Elon Musk doesn't have that spirit of exploration. Very true. Uh, there are some people that have it. Um, it's not something that's promoted in our school system so a lot of kids aren't raised to even think that way you know uh, i mean kids are terrified of getting out of their comfort zone at all or else they won't do well in their standardized test i mean it all comes down to doing well in the test so that's really i think that's real a real problem you know um is is the is the way that uh the culture uh starting at a very very young age is is, is almost antithetical to the exploration drive but you do have people who uh who are very much that way. And I wrote a whole book about that um, called Wired to Create, Unraveling the Mysteries of the Creative Mind. And, you know, creative people tend to, they're all about the exploration, you know, and, and that does show itself at a very early age. Um, but I, I think that it, it often gets drummed out of us. And I think that's really unfortunate for sure. It does. And I, and I would say, I would argue that the biggest reason for that is because of the school system's propensity to label things either a success or a failure and that failure is bad and success is good and and i think you know i i i would love for our audience to read your uh, you know the book that you just mentioned i'm definitely going to read it but i think when we look at some of these elon musks and these innovators and, and these you know 
these planetary shifters, these are the ones that don't look at failure as a bad thing. They look at it as a learning opportunity. It's like, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Trial and error is like the, the biggest uh, thing that creators are comfortable doing. You know, um, they, it's called equal odds role. You know, the more you create, uh, the higher the probability one of those creations will be a masterpiece. You just have to keep creating lots and lots of content. Increase those odds. Yeah. I kind of just had a thought, but as far as like, you know, and I'd love to get your take on this, but reaching our potential, reaching the human potential, I feel like a lot of the experiences that shape us, you know, our childhood, you know, people that we're surrounded with, you know, when we're told that something's wrong with us or not, you know, we're not smart enough or like some of these things. I mean, if we didn't have those experiences, would it be easier for us to become our potential or is there a place for those maybe more unfortunate situations or experiences to help us reach our potential? Whoa, <laughs> it blew my mind. Um, <laughs> I do that sometimes. <laughs> can you somehow say that again? <laughs> so yeah, I just, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking yeah. the, like, um, as far as like our experiences and stuff, I feel like a lot of the reasons why a lot of people feel held back or that they can't reach their potential or they're having a trouble, like more trouble reaching their potential is because of a lot of the experiences that have shaped them, right? Like a lot of the um, maybe traumas or, you know, just being told that they were wrong or bad or incorrect or their beliefs. Daddy issues. You know, I don't know, just stuff like that, right? And then, and so I'm thinking, you know, how much easier would it be for all of us to, um, yeah. to reach our potential if we didn't have some of those things, you know, kind of in the, in the back of our mind? Um, or is there a place where we do have, or we can kind of use these experiences as ways to kind of help us reach our potential? I, I'm just kind of wondering if there's... Yeah, more the latter. I'm trying to ask? I see. I okay, okay. Can you make an omelet without breaking some eggs? <laughs> no. Well, it's a great question, but I would argue that um, breaking the eggs actually... Um, enables you to have higher potential okay. um, i would be i would even go so far in the other direction um you look at uh the history of of creative people and and, and um there's a very high proportion of them have had a disability mm-hmm. or some sort of major impediment in their lives um some sort of adversity um there's a whole new uh, emerging field in positive psychology called post-traumatic growth which i think speaks to what you're referring to um people who have had trauma um, uh, you know, not all of them, but a sizable portion show growth in a number of domains, such as creative growth, spiritual development, a deeper connection with others, um, uh, a, gr- a greater utilization of their strengths. Um, there's kind of a restructuring of um, their priorities. Things kind of snap into view, uh, a vision that they never saw before. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about a question lately. I was I was actually thinking about tweeting it today, which is just the, simply the question: Is peace boring? Ooh. And that's kind. That's almost kind of what I, I, I was feeling as as I mentioned yeah. my comment was was that is, not necessarily, peace, but like you know, let's take an example. If, if I was told growing up that I was stupid and I was you know. I needed more help with my mind or whatever. And it's, and if I was never told those things, would I believe in myself more? Would I have more, uh, would it be easier for me to reach my potential if I never was, if I never had these thoughts kind of, you know, inundated, inundated into my mind? I don't know. 
Did, did this happen to you? Uh, eh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Hmm. But it just, it just kind of, you know, and, and also yeah, with the comment that you said too, you know, you saying you were in special ed and maybe yeah. you were working so hard to prove your, to prove to others yes. that you were smart. Right. And yes. I can kind of relate to that a little bit. And so it, I'm just kind of curious wow. if, um, you know, without that is our yeah. potential greater or is there a place for our potential to be even greater because we have those experiences to help shape us? The latter. I think, yeah, exactly what you just said. Now, I don't think in all cases that is the case. I mean, that it, it's for a lot of people have had trauma. It's not like they they're glad they had the trauma so that they can grow. Um, as um, you know, so we should make that clear. I mean, there's a, a famous rabbi who had the death of his son, and there's a there's a really great quote I, I love to read where he says like, you know, I I you know ever since my son's you know car accident death or uh, i forget how he died but he said how ever since my son's death you know i've shown greater love for people i've shown greater appreciation etc cetera, etc cetera. and then he says but i would give that all up in a second to have my son back so mm -hmm. um so i think it is important to recognize that but i think that um this field of post-traumatic growth is showing that um you know given that what has happened you know what what else can you do but um, but like, why not choose growth? You know, why, right. why, why have it all be for nothing? You know, the suffering. Right. So uh, let's turn the question back around to you. Is peace boring? It's a, it, I, it's a question I, I meditated on. I meditated on that question this morning. Um, and I, then I was going to pose the question to my followers on Twitter. Um, it's it, very interesting because um, I, I find, uh, I personally find like, like inner peace boring if i have too much of it for too long <laughs> i it's like okay it's nice this is nice you know but like i need something to fight here <laughs> and 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 that's not i like i am a buddhist like i i really do um uh believe in that philosophy but i also think it's important to kind of question things you know and to to really just I, I like to just i like to be cheeky i like to think through questions that no one else is asking you know um, uh, you know, there's something about the way we're wired that we can never be content for too long or else that becomes a form of discontentment. It's, it's, it's yeah. something about the way we are, you know? <clears throat> I believe that. I was thinking about a really bad movie as you were describing that. Um, and <laughs> it, was, it was called First Night with Sean Connery and um, Julia Ormond and Richard Gere. And it was an Arthurian uh, you know, Arthurian tale, uh, you know, Sean Connery played King, uh, King Arthur. Um, and in one of the scenes, you know, he says in, in his beautiful uh, Scottish brogue that there's a peace only to be found on the other side of war. And, and I think that that's kind of, to a certain extent, that embodies the human condition, right, is, is too much peace and we have, we become lackadaisical. You know, we need that conflict, we need that challenge. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be an all-out battle with swords it could be you know just the internal conflict it could be you know the challenge that we present ourselves with but growth happens in that and you know through that through that challenge then we have the opportunity to reflect on that in meditation with with a moment of peace and then you know the next challenge comes on but if if we have too much peace do we just end up withering away and into nothing right are we even strong can we even become strong wow these are really profound questions I, i'm continually fascinated by like cults for instance, um, fascinating. I watch all these documentaries, you know, I, I consume them like, you know, they're chocolate, you know, I'm like, oh, new, new cults. I'm, I'm, dropping, <laughs> I'm dropping everything and watching that. Um, and um, something always fascinates me about these 
is that they never end well. No. They always they always start with love. You know, they always start with peace, you know, and like, you know, a commune, right? Like everyone's so peaceful and they're, you know, just having sex, you know, in every which way uh, all day long and that's all they're doing, you know, and it sounds great, right? But it's but then, you know, there's always like a dark side that then comes out at some point where they sort of like they might have so much love for their in-group but they they're like, we gotta protect ourselves against anyone who wants to to disturb our peace and then they like load up with guns you know <laughs> like yeah. i saw this recently the osho uh documentary it was like you know we have, we're such a peace-loving people but we gotta get lots of guns so we kill anyone who disagrees with us i'm like do you all not see the irony there <laughs> like are you not like why are you not self-aware enough to see that craziness you know like um do you hear yourselves <laughs> you know but um uh do you see my point it, it just like there's something about human nature that's like you know we just need to we just need to be about we need to be balanced you know i guess that's what i what i'm a big uh proponent of is balance more than just uh, like extreme peace, you know, like, you know, or extreme anything. Well, I mean, you know, from a Buddhist perspective, that's that's yin and yang, right? You know, and, it, and within that balance, it's it's not yeah. polar opposites because, you know, like you said, it's like the the, the one extremism of peace usually leads to the massive extreme of extremism of, oh, I have an Uzi now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like totally. a lot of these kinds of, yeah. These well, compounds, you know, you, know, yeah, yeah. you think of like Jim Jones or Waco or all of yeah. those places. And it's, you know, it, it, like the brochure sounds fantastic. It's, you know, exactly. it, it's, you, you know, you have no problems. It's just peace and love. And, you know, the Roman orgy every day <laughs> exactly. at, at a certain point, it's like, you know, people are willing to die to protect it. What's that stupid yeah. song? You know, the uh, oh, God, I'm, you know, peace on Earth. It'll come to me like from you know, like the, the two warring tribes and that you know the, the the one tribe wants to share it with the other tribe but the other tribe says no and they come and they kill everyone and they they, they open up the chest and it just says peace on earth is it by lady gaga no it's a little bit before lady gaga that's clever time. that's actually really clever i'd be curious to hear what that is but but i but the, returning to the roman orgies point i mean even roman orgies <laughs> become i mean even roman orgies become boring i can tell you after a certain period of time they become boring uh, there's so much in that statement to unpack. <laughs> yes, there is. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, did, did you have one with, with or without the farm chicken? <laughs> um, there's no farm chicken. And I, I'm kidding because I, I, I think we, what, what exactly is a Roman orgy? Like, I'm I not even sure. I know what that is either. Like, what is the Roman variety of it? <laughs> yeah, what's the Roman variety of it? Again, can you remind us? Remind I think our everybody audience? starts off in a toga. <laughs> oh, oh, it's like Jeez. a fat party. It's yeah, like a, it's like a frat party gone bad. Party. <laughs> okay, okay, but I, but I imagine even you know you have those like yeah like like Hugh Hefner he must have I, I I've heard stories that he he would get he got bored he, you know with all his orgies at a certain point and uh, he, I heard he, he couldn't even get off anymore with uh, with all the women around him he you know he had to watch porn or something um, th this is a huge tangent uh, perhaps or perhaps not perhaps <laughs> you, you find that little fact about Hugh Hefner interesting but. I, f I feel like it was somehow relevant to our discussion. Like, no matter what, like you do something enough times, right? right? You, you you need variety. You need challenge. Um, I think that's a big part of human nature. You know, you need um, uh, you need things that like uh, exercise our highest potentialities. Mm -hmm. I, I would say, or else we get bored. Do you see how I segued from Hugh Hefner to uh, Maslow's uh, yeah, transcendence? Absolutely. And and then <laughs> I want to segue. You there. Yeah, that was that was genius. 
Are you um, going back to orgies? <laughs> no, I actually, I, I want to transition into completely, so, you know, something else. So you're going to transition. Okay. I am. Um, into, into, uh, you can call Jana. me Jana. Jana. <laughs> You can call her Evan. You don't want you don't want to be in this. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, can wow. I can I can I say something completely you know off base and and like how do I say this? You might need to cut this. Like if I were you, I don't know. I'd probably just spend all day in bed with myself. Interesting. This this, I'm speechless. Yeah. I'm now, not the first. You're, you're saying if you were her, but with your own consciousness, is that what you're saying? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've thought about this as a guy, if you woke up in a woman's body, you know, you'd spend the greater part of that day just, you know, test driving the vehicle. But, but there's an underlying assumption there that if that her, all she is, is her body. Uh, I'm just pointing this out from a logical point of view. You're saying if I were you, but you maintained your own consciousness. Yeah. Well, then you're saying what it means to be her is just her body. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. But if I woke up in Jana's body with my consciousness, you know, I, I know. Yeah. And I know and love the depths of this human being so far beyond the physical. But if I'm going to, if I'm going to wake up in that body, bet your ass I'm going to test drive that thing. (laughs) Well, I hear, I I hear your point. I hear your point. Um, You uh, go from the 1975 Yugo, that is me, to the Ferrari. You're going to play with that thing for a while. But I think it raises an interesting, this is a philosophical thought experiment that you've inadvertently raised here, because um, what does it mean to be, who is you? Do you you identify yourself, do you identify yourself only with your penis, or do you identify yourself with your consciousness? To me, my consciousness is more me than my body. Um, Anyway, that is pretty nerdy about this. I love this. I I do identify myself more with my consciousness, except on Wednesday, than it's just my penis. (laughs) Yeah, no, you need that. You know, hey, hey, brother, I, I often say I have a dark side Sunday. You know, like everyone needs a day. Uh, no, I have a dark side Sunday. I fucking load up on the pizza delivery, like everything, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, everyone needs, you know, balance. You need balance. Balance. It's, it's all about the Buddhist philosophy. It's the middle way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No, you're making good points. I mean, I, I take whatever you comes out of your mouth. I will take it seriously. You know, I will I will contemplate it, you know, so. Good. Well, let's contemplate this. I, I, I was thinking about the Celestine Prophecy, Celestine Prophecy, that book that came out. I think it was, you know, hmm. 80s or 90s. And at the end of it, you know, what they talk about, I think, if, if memory serves, is that, you know, the, the purest potential based off of these scrolls and this prophecy is, is that humans ultimately have the potential to almost vibrate out of the physical realm into another dimension. Um, I don't know if that's where our potential lies as, as a species, but I'd be curious to, to understand, or I'd be curious to get your idea on what does a fully actualized society look like? What is really the outer limits of our potential? Well, this is um, the million dollar question. Um, I don't know what the outer, what the outer limits of our potential is because I'm not God. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't. I can't answer that. I mean, there are people who think they know, but I. I don't think. I think if anyone on Earth tells you, you know, in some sort of visionary way, I. I think they're either, they are either God or they think they're God. You know, there's the only two options. Or they're trying um, to sell you something. Well, but in a lot of people that try to sell you something do think they're God. You know, um, 
uh, you, you're, you're, you see that all probably all the time in the, in, in your space, <laughs> you probably see people who, uh, who, who self-market in such a way that it's like, you're like, please get over yourself. Oh yeah. You ever, yeah. Do you ever see that? Yeah. With people, um, uh, only on but, days of the week ending and why? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why, why, why? <laughs> Did I miss that one? <laughs> why, 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 why? Because it's every day of the week. Right. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, but I want to take your questions here. It is a serious question, but and I want to take it seriously. Um, it's a great question. Um, I just feel like um, we have to have humility when we discuss that question. Um, I do think that there's a lot more potential that we could be as a species um, at the at the theory Z level. This is a theory Maslow had. Um, he had he talked about theory X, theory Y. Um, uh, you know, what, what could humans be? You know, theory X would just be like stimulus response. You know, we're just like um, rats in a cage, you know, like just responding to environmental stimuli. Um, theory Y is being intrinsically motivated to do something, to actually um, uh, uh, have, have our own unique passions. But theory Z is, uh, is a, high, a very high level of transcendence where you, um, you kind of uh, break down a lot of these false dichotomies we have in our society. Maslow called it dichotomy transcendence, which I think is a, a real key to wisdom. Um, and uh, we have a lot of dichotomies in our society right now. A lot of a lot of things that we are viewing in such a splitting sort of way, like evil versus good, you know, um, male versus female, um, selfish versus unselfish. I mean, that's a that's we need to you can we need to, to transcend that dichotomy, right? Because if what does it mean to selfishly uh, do something that you love that helps the world? You know, what is the word the word selfish loses its meaning? You know, when 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 you have such a great integration between self and world. So I think at a very high level of consciousness, we can kind of have this theory Z kind of. Uh, transcender way of of, uh, of thinking about the world. I think that that's definitely one thing that humans could be that we're not fully actualized right now. So where do you think we are right now on that spectrum? It feels like theory X right now, unfortunately. It feels like people are very deficiency motivated and are um, being uh, heavily, heavily influenced by um, government messages as well as the media. Um, people, um, not just media, but like discussion boards, you know, uh, you know, people are formulating conspiracy theories, people are um, uh, all in our, their kind of silos, their, their little bubbles um, of media consumption. And when you have all these little silos of media consumption, like if you could zoom out and just look at humans and you see all these people, pockets, that's all you see are pockets of people consuming their own media where the media is telling them who the enemy is and everyone's telling everyone a, that the enemy is someone different so no one's seeing each other as human right now and i think it's, it's tribalism mm -hmm. run amok it's tribalism run amok yeah i mean like it's lord of the flies with you know with better technology yeah yeah so it, i'm it, actually curious yeah. are you optimistic about the future yes you are um, because at the end of the day i am a realistic optimist um, some may say that that realistically there's no hope for humanity and <laughs> perhaps someone can make that case but um, I'm hopeful because I always I keep seeing a thing you know you look a cyclical of human nature first of all it's amazing that we still exist as a species so that's mm -hmm. promising um, second of all I do think there's um, a, you know a lot of progress I think it's uh, it, it's almost controversial these days to say that there's been any progress in America um, but I think that 
if you actually look at the trends of the world and America, you see there is overall an upward trajectory um, in, in, in almost every um, category that, that, is, that we consider important um, for progress for human species. I definitely direct people to read Steven Pinker's work on that topic or listen to Steven Pinker's podcast chat with me on that. Um, so there are, there are some, uh, if we can zoom out of the moment for a second and look at it very objectively, uh, which I recognize is hard for a lot of people who are suffering, like, they, you know, they, they, they're living it subjectively. But if you can zoom out and look at it objectively, there's actually incredible progress of humanity. Um, uh, and it's, it's only moving in an upward trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we want to do uh, within our podcast, within our show, and with all the content we create is give people actionable steps to make the world a better place. And we recognize cool. that healthier people lead to a healthier planet. And we've got major fundamental problems on both sides, you know, both sides of that equation. You know, the planet is suffering by the choices that we've made with the pollutants we throw into the, you know, into the oceans with how we've created a world that's, you know, very disposable. Uh, but summarily, we also have, you know, the physical, the mental, the, you know, the kind of the self-health problems that we need to, to address. So, you know, even though we've got, if we zoom out, we've got this trajectory towards something better. What are some actionable steps that you would give to people to day in and day out improve the overall condition, starting with the self and knowing that that's going to ultimately have a greater impact uh, on, the, on the whole ecosystem? Yeah, great. I do think change starts from within. I, I say that all the time. Um, I think it's very true. Um, it, it was, part of it is is really taking responsibility for your whole self, um, not just your best self. Um, people tend to want to disavow parts of themselves they don't like and say that wasn't really me, um, and then only um, view the more the most moral, uh, uh, wonderful sides of themselves as the real you. I think so that's one principle. I, I lay out seven principles of becoming a whole person in an appendix of my book. Did you guys see that part of my book by any chance? No, but uh, I will definitely reference that in the show. And um, I, I'm going to, uh, uh, can I get that on audiobook? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you guys read my book at all? No. No, unfortunately. That's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. Um, but you, you basically, you, you, you get, you get the gist of it after, after today's, after today's talk, you might, you might like the appendix part of it, um, which is, um, uh, the principles of becoming a whole person. One of them really, really is, um, accepting your whole self as a route to growth, not just uh, part of yourself. I think another big part of growth is, um, uh, is, is not striving for happiness but striving for growth and letting happiness come along as a ride, you know, coming along for the ride. Um, a lot of people who trying to search for happiness or even search for meaning tend to be more depressed, you know, than, um, than those that just try to find moments in your day that just simply get outside your comfort zone that allow to utilize some of your highest strengths. And then also like try strength spotting in others. You know, it, it, it's a great way, a great source, under underrated source of well-being, is just in everyone you talk to, try to try to spot their own strengths. You try to see the best in others, um, and you'll be amazed at what can um, what can come out of the conversation as opposed to just assuming the worst intention imaginable um, in someone you're talking to. I'm I'm really uh, all about grace culture. You know, I think that we need more of a grace culture. I think that's um, absolutely yeah. brilliant, and and I, I want to well, hammer that point home. Tell me uh, more. No, well, look, I want to hammer that point home because I, I I think the reality is, and I I'm guilty of this is, 
we tend to approach interactions with new people in a competitive sense. What does this person have that I don't have? You know, what can I get from this person? And I think quite frankly, you know, I, I lived in Santa Monica where you're at and, and oh. Los Angeles breeds that there's a, there's a social climber element to living in Los Angeles where everybody's always just kind of looking out for the self. Um, and, and that was a real challenge for me is to get out of the scarcity mindset and recognize that, you know, celebrating someone else's successes didn't take away from my own. Um, yeah. So I love what you just said is, is, you know, acknowledging other people's strengths, strength spotting. That is fucking fantastic. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that's get listeners of complete human, like do that every day for the next month. And mm -hmm. let's just see what that does to your life. Boom. Boom. Absolutely. I love that. One thing, Dr. Kaufman, I, I noticed that you had on your website were um, some tests that you have, some like assessments that people can go and take and kind of maybe understand a little bit more about the personality. Um, I took a couple this morning, actually, and I, I thought they were pretty, pretty fascinating. I personally, you know this, I have, a, I have an obsession with taking these personality tests, any kind of tests in general, just to know Which one more. did you take? Did you I think take the I did, white, I think white, I did dark all kind? of them. I did all of them except the awe, the awe one. Sure. So are you, on, are you a psychopath? I'm not. I'm not a psychopath. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The so the first one it was. I can't remember the name of the very the top. That the one awkward. on the top. Yeah, that would have been really awkward. <laughs> that would have been really awkward. But um, uh, for me personally, it said that I am a truth seeker. That was with the first test yeah. that it was. Which which was yeah. the? I can't remember yes, the name of it. Yeah, characteristics of self actualization test. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'll tell you your top three sources of self-actualization. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you know, I don't believe in binary labels, so I don't believe you're either a psychopath or you're not. I think we all are somewhere on the continuum. You oh, know? sure. And that's what I noticed in there. It kind of gives you like yeah. uh, a percentage of kind of where, where, oh, yeah. where, you, where you are. Oh, totally. And... Like you without food, you're a psychopath. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. contextual. Him without food, no. he's a yeah. psychopath. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's contextual. You're right. You're absolutely right. Did you, did you say, but you did take the light for stark triad test? I did. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Cool. It's, you kind of want to take it alone. You don't want to, you don't want to have someone watching you take it and like seeing your, you know, what you're putting. It's a very person. That's, I mean, it, you got to sit with yourself and really think yes. these are uncomfortable questions. I've, I've made a lot of, I, I not mean, but I've, I've been on some podcasts, like, with, you know, like celebrity podcasts and things. And uh, I'm like, you should take the test right now while we're on air. This could be fun. And, yeah. and then I'm like, uh, I don't want to read my results to my audience. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Right. Fair I enough. mean, and, and honestly, I think for, to really understand like the truth of what comes out of it, yeah. you have to be radically honest with yourself. And, you know, I caught myself being like, oh, like, well, I would, you know, that's not fully me. I would probably that's do this, me. but even though, and, and, you know, so you have to kind of catch yourself and be really honest. And I, but I thought it was fantastic. So I would actually recommend, you know, complete human listeners go to your website as well and check out those tests. I thought they were great. Oh, thank you. It's Scott, that's scottberrycoffman.com. And then yeah, go to resources and tests, self-actualization tests. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. Cool. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, we will put all that information in the show notes. Oh, cool. um, we are, we are butting up against our, our clock here. Um, yeah. Also butting it up against my bladder. <laughs> Probably Evan too. Oh yeah, it's. So, I, I I've been having a lot of this uh, cold brew. Have you guys tried the cold brew? Ever ever tried a cold brew? It it uh, literally makes you feel crazy. <laughs> I actually stopped drinking caffeine the last couple months. Smart. Um, because I noticed that even a little bit, I like I already yeah. have anxiety, kind of not really that. It's bad, yeah. and so even a little caffeine just does not make that better for me. So I've, I'm, I'm now onto mushroom coffee, whatever. 
I those. love mushroom coffee. Yeah. I do. I, Four Sigmata, do you use? Or? No, I, not that one. It's I'm trying a different brand right now, but. Yeah, it's called uh, psilocybin coffee. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You guys are so fun. You guys are, you guys are a hoot. Uh, Dr. Coffin, this is awesome. Thank you for chatting with, with us today. I think this is just a, so much. We touched on a lot of we interesting did. And, topics. And look, you know, we, we're at a place where we need a different trajectory. We need a different path. And we need people like you to inspire us to to seek our potential and not to just kind of wallow in, in Instagram or TikTok induced misery. Um, and, and so, you know, I think we've kind of reached this tipping point in the world where you know, the teachings of you versus the teachings of, you know, Kim Kardashian are really going to change how our future looks. And, and, and we want to push more people into what it, well, is, what it is that you focus on versus, you know, kind of what the general population is looking at. Well, I really appreciate what you just said, but just to take it down a level, um, I do twerk on my TikTok account. So <laughs> Um, yes. Don't don't yeah. roll that don't roll that out. Uh, check out my TikTok account. I, I do do Kim Kardashian kind of dances. So hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, you know, if that's all you were, that would not be your potential. Right. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I I, sh- I would push back against that for a second. I think that Kim Kardashian um, is is actually self-actualizing in her own direction. And I, you know, I want to leave the, the, the message. I certainly don't want to leave the message. There's only one way to self-actualize. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I do think I do. I'm a big believer. I'm a coach. You know, I have 17 clients and every single one of them, I want them to self-actualize in their own direction. And if their own direction is whatever it is, you know, it's like, I, I, who am I to, to judge that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. True. And, and, you know, we are not the ones to judge. We can, we can do that from an armchair, which we typically do. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, I, I would much rather and I will make the declaration that the world would be a much better place if people would read your books, including us, uh, versus turning on the TV and watching the Kardashians. Uh, well, I know that underneath that is, is a, a wonderful spirit of a compliment to me. So I want to say thank you yeah. uh, for, for that spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's you know, everything has a, has a place and a context and uh, you know, Kim, Kim is certainly serving a function in the world, but I, I really appreciate the, the, your compliments. So thank you. You know, thank you. And, and again, we, we mean nothing against Kim. I'm sure she's a very lovely person. And, you know, if she ever wants to come on the show, we can, you know, we can debate her or we can discuss her self-actualization. Um, in she's the, not in, coming on your show now, though, after that comment. <laughs> you just screwed I just screwed, you screwed her. Out. Yeah. Chances of that. Right. But she'll come on my show because I defended her. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> Well, then can we, can we zoom in for that one? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, for sure. No, let, let's be friends for sure. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. We, we've got islands to build together. Islands. Yeah. Let me know if you're ever in, you know, in LA. That'd be great. Uh, we're going to be down there quite soon because uh, Jana is going oh. to be slicing some beets with a samurai sword. <laughs> oh, cool. That yeah. sounds... I think he's joking when he says that, but I'm actually going to be. Yeah, we're going to have. I'm in, her- a, I'm in a beat slicing competition with Jesse Graff, who's from American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, it's it's it'll be a very fun little, uh, little competition. That sounds so much fun. Cool. Yeah, and, and actually the, the location for that uh, is going to be on the beach uh, in Los Angeles. So you know we might have to migrate more towards the Santa Monica region. <laughs> well, just say hi. Amazing. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks so much, guys, for the chat today. I wish you all the best in your uh, your mission. 
Thank you so much. Thank you much. so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Complete Human Podcast with your host, Jana Breslin, and Evan DeMarco. Uh, this was a fascinating conversation with Dr. Kaufman. All of his information will be in the show notes. We highly encourage you to follow him, read his books, listen to his podcast, and remember that uh, your own potential is limitless, and we want to be a part of that journey. So let us know what you're doing to maximize your potential. Let him know, um, and let's all raise the conversation in the boat together. Let's do it. See you next week. Bye, guys.